0: Welcome to another episode of Breaking into Cybersecurity. We are on CISO Thursday, and we have Rob Odin who's joining us today. He has a long career in tech and cyber, and we wanted to bring him on for his experience in a larger tech organization and how individuals that are looking to grow in management in that way can transition or grow in that field. Rob, do you want to introduce yourself and let us know what got you into tech and cyber?
1: Yeah, Chris. Um, Thank you so much for having me on. So kind of just giving an overview of about going on 18 years of information security and cybersecurity experience, ranging from domains such as insider threats, data protection, data security, large cyber tooling and integration, And your more traditional governance, risk, and compliance are also known as GRC for implementing risk management frameworks and the such. Um, Yeah, so I have an interesting background from my time in the United States military and the United States Air Force, as you can see in the background, uh, cutting my teeth, giving me kind of foundational knowledge to transitioning into the intelligence community for about seven and a half years, focusing on... Uh, large scale systems needing multiple, uh, both security and compliance issues, as well as kind of finalizing my government service, working on a national task force, the National Insider Threat Task Force, focusing on the cyber elements of the insider threat and then transitioning into more commercial with some time in aerospace and defense, building uh, data security and insider threats uh, capabilities for a fifty thousand person company, and then where I'm doing for the last year, working for a large hundred thousand tech company, focused on security for privacy and uh, data security initiatives. Wow, that's
0: that's quite a career that you've had there. So, as you as you talk about your transition from the military to Government service. Was that a smooth transition, or what? What can some of those looking
1: to do that transition uh, look forward to? So all transitions from military service, none of them are easy or simple. I, or at least the appearance of, because your life is very much dictated to you. Right, you sign on the dotted line. You're an indentured servant. Um, but you get. A, but with that comes a little bit of a comfort to everything's laid out from you and you know with freedom comes all the responsibility with that with driving your own career uh having your own options uh and the uncertainty that you jumping on the outside you'll actually land something and that's one of the reasons why you see such a high unemployment rate with uh, service members or even some of the fears for transition but for me personally I had some really great mentors. I had great veterans who, you know, empathize with the fact that it was scary, that it was different um, instead of just, oh, you'll have tons of opportunities. And they created a network for me to communicate to, to upskill how I was presenting my experience, not just from an EPR uh, military focus, but how that was relatable to what, civilian and commercial industries were looking for. So with that in mind, um, having that structure, having that network of prior service members, um, as well as networking within IT and cybersecurity, Uh, that allowed me the confidence to go and tailor my approach to approaching the civilian and commercial world and then smooth that transition from a very regimented military to something a little bit more open than I was driving.
0: And I know it sounds like a cliche, but many coming out of the military are kind of guided towards project management as (laughs) you're, you're used to... Creating and running uh, large-scale projects. Um, was that your experience as well? I mean, you, you ended up staying kind of close to that field, so I, I just kind of ask it and just. Yeah,
1: it's you know, it's funny. Um, my first assignment, I was quickly put in charge of a significant, like one point five two million dollar upgrade for about four hundred units. In a multi-classified environment, so top secret, secret, unclassified, being in an environment, um, and from just doing, you know, grunt work of plugging cables, such like that, taking ownership, taking ownership, taking ownership, where you're doing more the traditional. I have this objective. I've broken it out into its components or milestones. I'm reporting on that, and I'm identifying risks that keeps me from the commitments or such as the schedule or my resources or needing others to come in. Um, and whether it was more technical design implementation architecture type work or even engineering for specific projects, there's always been a, either a project or program management elements of a number of these positions because if you take ownership, well, you're taking ownership of the schedule. You're taking ownership of the, um, the deliverables. And you take ownership of any delay. So the communication, the exchange of information, and bringing in when you are running into issues. And for someone
0: that's kind of taking that structured approach, mm-hmm. but say wanting to transition into tech and cyber, um, how did you do that for your career where
1: you're able to to grow yourself into where you are now? So one of the first things is always look for opportunities and always look for opportunities to be a better version of yourself. Uh, I think one of the biggest pitfalls, especially for young cyber professionals or transitioning cyber professionals, right, individuals from a different career field, is they're comparing themselves to someone like me. Are they comparing someone who is in a hood, who speaks that Black hat and they that, you know, um, imposter syndrome? Well, I'm not good enough for that. I'm not, you know, it's irrelevant. It's like a marathon. It's not about how fast the other guy or the other woman is running. It's about how fast are you doing on your own time and building off that building off that, have a go, leverage people say, Hey, you know what? They're doing something that I want to do and identify the things that you need to do to get there, but only compare yourself towards what you are doing and where is that going? So I think that transition or kind of building, if you will, using people as, Examples, but not as a yardstick for your own, uh, allows you to not shoot your own self in the foot and kill your confidence. For that, that answers your question. It, it does. It does. And as a leader now in
0: such a large organization, how do you go about hiring and
1: developing that pipeline for today, tomorrow, and the future? So I've been in a number of positions where we've had to bring in people. I've uh, um, adopted team members, right? Or had to grow. When I first started my quote unquote leadership career, I tried to apply the things that worked well for me to others. And I had mixed success with that because my motivations, my, the way I communicate, the way I learn, the way I grow work well for me, but not for others. And so working in kind of mentoring and growing other individuals it's understanding and taking the time to empathize with what those motivators are for that individual understand so let's take cybersecurity. why somebody wants to be in cyber i like challenging problems that's why i like to be in here i know other people who like to apply structure to chaos which is a lot of especially when you go in governance risk and compliance that's when i know people who want to be into the pain point want to be on the tip of the spear and understanding that motivating that and then also having a little bit humility is that my career is not a one-size-fits-all or my experiences are not completely exclusive of all experiences within this very wide diverse build so looking for my peers my counterparts that i can also point not only my team members but people who come to me looking for advice looking for how do they grow in saying, "Hey, just use me as an example, not the example." Come over to uh, my counterpart over here. Her experience, you know, you might find a lot from it, and then kind of sharing that—that that it's there is multiple roads to Mecca, if you will.
0: That—that's kind of the 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 synthesis behind the show is to show all the different stories, all the different approaches, and as people are looking through it. They can take a an aspect of one individual or another individual that could be one of their role models,
1: one of their virtual mentors, and help them along the way. No, actually, I, I actually work with a lot of people get reached out by LinkedIn, or, you know, I make little TikTok videos or whatever. And, um, and I always share that. I was like, yes, I'm, I'm more than happy, you know, I carve out a little bit of time, and I'm more than happy to say what worked for me but with that extreme caveat that I, this is not the gospel. This mm-hmm. is one view and take with what you can, that's applicable to you. And if it's not applicable to you, don't feel like you have to shave yourself to fit that. Take what you can from me and then go to the next person, go to the next person and don't just look for people with 15, 20 years experience in this field. Look for the people who are two to five years experience, see what you can learn from them. And, and hopefully using that approach, someone can build their own like success journey. Yeah, absolutely. I I think
0: just being a step ahead of someone allows you to kind of see the journey just right before them and kind of help them. Whereas if you're reaching out too far, they're more detached from the situation. They could give you the 40,000 foot view, but they can't give you the, the five foot view.
1: One of the reasons why that whole grandmasters make the worst teachers, because they're so far, right? The problems that they're facing, the 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 domains that they're they're responsible for, or even the things that they have learned and have made so ingrained to themselves, um, you need to build to those foundations. And so someone who is 20, 30, 40 years who actually have been cutting their teeth, um, they might have a wealth of knowledge that you just cannot you know, take in because you, you haven't built those spots. So taking someone who's a little bit earlier in their career, who kind of made some mistakes now, you know, here, yes, listen to the the large 40,000 foot, but more to the applicable what you can do, how you can upskill, how you can grow your skill. Those people who are newer in their career or have, you know, been a little bit hot off the press for a position that you're looking for, their feedback and experience is going to be a lot more applicable to your situation than, you know, say myself or say someone who's, who's been in, you know, 20, 30 years. As you hire for those people, what do you look for for those that are early in their
0: career um, may or may not have a degree, may or may not Mm -hmm. have certifications um, may have transferable skills. Um, What do you look for? How
1: do you create your, your job descriptions
0: for those entry-level folks?
1: Yeah, so entry level is a really interesting problem set, right? Because usually when we say entry level, entry level does not mean no experience. Entry level means the lowest level experience in your organization. And I know that's challenging. I know that's frustrating, especially for people who are just starting out or transitioning. Um, So when we are looking at entry level, um, one is putting that in that concept of, this is the lowest level for this position or for this organization that we have which still might have a minimum level of experience, but we say you need this minimum level to do these bigger things we're looking for. So understanding exactly what we're looking for, understanding kind of with that expectation that here's the floor, that floor might be a certification. Rarely actually is it a certification, right? Being the floor. Most people say it's a nice to have, but rarely ever seen, unless you're looking for like a DOD 8570, which is a certification requirement, do they say you must have a certification to do a beginning job? Uh, The other part is, you know, we, I might be looking for foundational knowledge and it might not just be foundational knowledge from a tool or a cyber concept, but can you take a large amount of information, distill it to its critical components and take actions from that? Those are things that as I'm looking for, hey, this is a person who can do in cyber. That's what we do. We're faced with a ton of issues, tons of risk. How do I prioritize and take the most relevant pieces of information to do an action? Can you do that? Or do you show me the components that you're on your way to get there? Uh, The other thing, especially for even more mid-level or higher positions, is can you concisely tell me what you have done previously that you think is going to be relevant to this role, the action you did, the outcome and the impact and not just the impact to that specific action, but the impact to your department, your organization, your company, your customers. Can you articulate that? Can you stitch to what you are doing is having an impact to the business as a whole or would have an impact. Um, and then from another thing that myself and a lot of our peers have looked for is the ability to upskill Have you shown a history of being faced with a difficult situation or put in front of something and that you had to learn and apply knowledge that you didn't have going in? And I almost guarantee you it will be a positive note in every single cyber because the environment continues to change daily. So a critical capability is the ability to assimilate and apply knowledge that wasn't handed to you, but you had to go out. And if you can articulate that, how you went, why you went, what'd you do and how'd you use it, your ability to move forward either in the interview process or potentially get an opportunity that you weren't initially being considered for will grow dramatically.
0: You mentioned a position that you weren't being considered for. Does that Point to a gray market of job listings that are hiding somewhere. Now,
1: you know what? I I've seen this a lot, and I've never seen like a job that didn't have like a posting. So I'm not referring to that. And there, those might exist, especially for smaller organizations. For larger organizations, there are so many federal laws that, that actually would violate um, other than the exceptions, right? Um, for every role that we have is both posted internally and externally, meaning that we might look for someone internally first to you know grow and develop. Um, but then usually there's, there's an ability to bring someone else in. But what I mean by that is... Um, So let's take an example when I was interviewing with Amazon uh, about four or five years ago, they had a process is that when you came in uh, the job that they were interviewing me was an application security, um, you know, a security professional. I'm not an, I'm not a developer. I, you know, a minimal coding background. And I was very open and frank with this about where my capabilities could be. Um, But they took my, My holistic experience, how I answered, the way that I shared, the way that I acknowledged where my knowledge and expertise was versus um, where it wasn't. And it became, says, you know what? You might not be a good fit for this, but we do think some of these other initiatives, tool integration, insider threat, whatever have you, you've, you've piqued our interest. And would you be interested in these other opportunities? And so those are things that I have seen personally that people have been successful. I have hired people based off of, hey, you're applying for uh, this analyst role and I don't think you're a good fit for it. But I think you would be a good fit for my system tooling integration uh, security engineering role because you're a little bit more IT and what signals you've shown, would you be interested, right? So just that ability to to show what, you know, in my organization, we call it signals, right? Have you shown the signals that you would be a good fit? And then we'll try to make a, we'll, we'll try to find see if there's another opportunity that we can bring you on. Even if this particular thing that you're talking about or interviewing for might not be a good fit. Let's take those uh, signals and potentially move a, a little bit
0: further back in the hiring process, Please, high school, middle schools, elementary schools. How, how do we educate the next generation to these signals because they won't have the experience leaving high school that we need or want, but they might have the, the potential to have that and to exhibit those signals. What are the signals that you would look for or encourage parents that they see these signals in their children or teachers that see these signals in the, the, the ones that they teach to encourage them into this field?
1: Yeah, I great question. It actually reminds me, I was uh, mentoring uh, a young man that when I first met him, he had already had his CCNA, his Security Plus, um, and his entry-level AWS certifications, and had already completed an internship by the time he was 17 um, at a large bank SOC. Right, doing all the things, and had graduated high school, and was dual enrollment, so he had already had an AS degree, and was on his way to finish within a year for his bachelor's. Um, and the company that I worked with at the time, we were struggling. Like, wait a minute, this is this is someone we would usually expect at twenty one, twenty two. And they were just this. This gentleman was just focused, right? He knew what he wanted, and he went for it. Um, and we had to go and look at jump through hurdles, and another company picked him up right when he turned eighteen, uh, and be like, you know what, we're we're fine with it. We couldn't move fast enough, but the things that shown just really out there is again self driving upskilling can you identify where you need to improve or, or gain knowledge, right? So it's not that you were the smartest person in the room, and most of the time you're not. And if you are the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. So it's not like how brilliant you are, but is can you identify that you lack knowledge? And can you show me and walk me through how you acquired knowledge, right? Um, uh, Daniel Hawthorne, who wrote The Scarlet Letter, was famous for saying, Any man can educate himself most just lack the discipline to do so. Show me that. Show me you have, instead of, yes, you going and taking on search, you going and doing stuff. That's why usually when people are saying, do you build a lab? Do you, do you, have you doing this on this? Are you, are you going about, you don't have to do those components, but that's the signal that a lot of people are looking is, are you passionate and can you educate yourself on the, the components of this? Maybe this is watching videos. Maybe this is just having an understanding. The other component is show me a time that you failed or, you know, building that grit. Because a lot of what we do, especially if you go into like more offensive cyber or malware analysis or anything like that, that's a lot of suck. That's a lot of you attempt, you attempt, you attempt. Can you stick with it? Can you build off of that? And can you show examples of meeting adversity or meeting not achieving the thing you had originally aspired to achieve? Taking lessons from that and learning from that. And I think those things, you know, I even look at my own. I have an 18 year old and I have a six year old and a two. And I, we I look at these, how to incorporate these lessons learned for their own development.
0: And as you think about potentially courses or ways to integrate some of the, the basic security, li- li- I want to say literacy needed to yeah. operate in a, a mobile environment, a cloud environment. I mean, every kid has one of these, unfortunately, in front of their face, and they might not be aware of the risks and the responsibilities that it takes to use a, a device like this and ha- how to be aware of what's out there.
1: So are you so, are we focusing more on the parent or the, the child themselves? We're, we're
0: focusing on the parent to be able to help... Um, yeah. teach the framework that they should be aware of. And um, if they're interested in that, then they could build off of
1: that. Yeah. So one of the, the volunteer organizations I work with as uh, part of ISC Squared, right? The, the certification that does the CISSP and, and all the concentrations and such, they have Safe and Secure. And it's a completely free... Uh, materials that second grade to eighth grade defines uh, basic principles on privacy, on uh, good hygiene on the internet, communications to people that you can't, uh, you know, I can't authenticate that this person is who they say they are just because they have a profile picture of a 13-year-old boy doesn't mean they're actually a 13-year-old boy, Right. In, in understanding, having some skepticism of the technology, understanding kind of the the dangers as well as the amazing capabilities, right? There's, there, there's that whole like scene from Jurassic Park, the book where uh, they're talking about, you know, technology and science is great, but we're standing on giants without having the discipline of those technologies. Um, and what that has done is that we have a lot of power without the constraint and discipline that you usually gain from having the most of this. So like in our generation, I'm a millennial. Um, there is a trend. I'm an older millennial. So there was a transition to technology before it became so invasive in our lives. And I do think even as a parent, I own responsibility to put those guardrails to educate my children on both the dangers and the powers of it. And then I have provided resources um, you know I'm a big fan you know if you wanted to like lead your children to developing these capabilities and skills there's amazing stuff uh, again you're sharing your own resources. with things phenomenal as well as you know Syberry on you know fundamentals of of technology but from the parenting there is a lot of great resources again the the safe and secure for more of a structured main components but I kind of also feel like this is – parents also have to take that their children are not going to have the same experience where they transitioned into uh, the technology and the always connectedness that we have today. It's just there, and and that's going to have to be a uh, – something that they're going to have to take that ownership just as you would with, you know, underage drinking, dangers of drugs. Um, th- this is just another component that is both an opportunity and a challenge. Wow. Well, I appreciate
0: that, that little side path that we journeyed <laughs> down there. Um, as we take it back to yeah. the work environment and you think about maybe your 20 year old self, what advice
1: would you give to him? So this was funny. When I first started, I grew up in a trailer park in South Alabama. Um, I barely touched a computer before I was 18. Now, again, this was the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, and I joined in, in 2004. And I had no foundation, no knowledge. I didn't even know what this could be. I just knew that I needed to make money. Uh, and then when I joined the military, I was like, what can I do to make money? They're like, well what do you like about, have you heard about computers? I was like, yeah, cool, sure. And you know, th- they gave me a foundation. So I am like 100% lucky that I was given an opportunity to learn about um, uh, technology, cybersecurity, all of that uh, before it was really even a big thing and giving the skills from there. So again, I feel very blessed on that. Um, if I were to look back on my 20s, is I took for granted the time and energy people were willing to put into me as well as building my foundation on, okay, this is something I, you know, I feel like I'm actually enjoying this and I'm really doing this. Now let me build my foundation. Now let me talk and be a little bit more purposeful of how I grow my career because I let my career grow definitely in my early twenties, very organically. And I was very lucky. Whereas I feel like if I was a little bit more purposeful and a little bit more focused on the technologies that I focus, on, like I would have gone way more in a cloud. Um, at the beginning, and specifically cloud security. Um, I would have picked up a lot more coding and developing, which I feel is almost critical uh, because more things is, you know, networks and code. um, And I would just become, you know, again, much more focused and much more uh, intentional with what I was learning and what I was playing with. Um, and, And I feel like that would have been able to, again, not with the, to try to jump at the highest pay grade as I possibly could as quick as I could. But building that foundation, especially at the new when people expect you to make mistakes, they expect you to be just showing that eagerness. I feel like I would probably even further in my career if I had taken it a little bit more intentionally. I I feel you on those. Um, (laughs) As you were saying that
0: I, I look back to flashbacks of South Beach and South Florida, where I lived during my early 20s and kind of taking for granted that opportunity in my life. So um, very, very touching there. Uh, really appreciate it, Rob. Um, everyone for those of you joining us on linkedin rob's profile is in the description for those of you joining us on youtube hit that subscribe button and that notification button and for those of you listening to us after the fact please share us with all your friends and family give us a 10 star review if you can or just a five star and uh, share some great reviews that way we can attract more diverse and interesting people into the industry because we really do need them all. No matter from what background you come from, you can make a change here in this industry. All, thank you very much and have a great rest of your day.